Hello, welcome to episode 17. Today we are going to talk all about EMDR therapy and healing. This is something that I talk a lot about. I recommend this to a lot of people. And so I thought it would be a really helpful podcast episode, something that I can easily send and get everyone the information they need, and also maybe be a valuable tool to others. So I am not a therapist. Obviously, if you've listened to any of my other podcasts, you know that. But I have done a lot of therapy in my life. And I want to talk about it briefly with you because there is a difference between traditional therapy and EMDR therapy. A very big difference. I have done so much, years, years of traditional therapy where you just talk with a therapist. And I'm not dogging on therapy. You'll never hear me say that any kind of therapy is good. And I think everyone should do therapy at some point, if not throughout their life. But... Traditional talk therapy is different with a trauma. And I can't explain why. (laughs) I know I should be able to, but I can't because all of the talking in the world is not going to change the fact that my best friend jumped off a bridge. All of the talking in the world doesn't actually change that situation and how my mind reacted to it, how my brain stored that memory, that experience, that trauma. So then when other things come up in my life, it triggers that memory. And so I'm never truly free of it. And I will tell you, having completed the EMDR therapy, I still very much feel all of the feelings that I need to feel about my best friend, but it no longer triggers me in a way that limits me. And for people with PTSD or with people with trauma, that is everything. That is everything. Being able to unconnect the dots And just leave an experience as an experience in their brain and a memory, good or bad. It's priceless. So that's a little bit of what I'm going to be talking about today. So first of all, EMDR therapy. Let me get this right. I actually have it pulled up. EMDR stands for Eye Movement Desensitization. Oh my gosh, I knew I was going to do this. Eye movement desensitization and reprocessing. So it actually reprocesses memories and connections and feelings and experiences to previous events. And yes, the reason why I started EMDR therapy was because there is a very well-known trauma in my life, which is the suicide of my best friend. And at the time of the therapy, 
I guess I have to give you a little bit of a backstory here. It was 14 years later and I was still, it was still hard for me to talk about it. And it was actually getting harder because I got sober four months before I started doing therapy. And for any recovering addicts or alcoholics out there, they will tell you that we don't deal with our emotions when we're in active addiction. We drink them away or we get we get high to avoid them. Like that's that's <laughs> that's a big part of what addicts and alcoholics do. They use so that they don't have to deal with their problems, only it doesn't actually help or fix anything. So don't do that. I don't recommend it. It's not a good idea, but it is what it is. So I'm newly sober and I'm kind of just now dealing with a lot of this because I didn't deal with it for so many years because I just drank it away. So I'm trying to deal with something that happened 14 years later. And one of the hardest parts for me about something this traumatic in my life or the loss of anyone in your life, I think, that is really close to you is that your life comes to a screeching halt and everyone else's continues around them. And, you know, after a while... I don't know if anyone else experienced this or if it's just me because I am a huge empath. So I really pick up on people's like body movements and the way they talk and just all of it. Right. So I'm so very in tune with all that, but I can almost see people's eyes glaze over when they stop wanting to hear about it. And I felt like that happened within the first year. So being 14 years out, I was like, oh shit, no one's going to want to hear about my shit this time, so I better fix it. And so I'm going to even lay this out for you guys how I did because I was struggling at the time. I get overwhelmed with things and thinking about finding a therapist and my insurance and the EMDR and all of the things. I didn't even know what the crap EMDR was at the time. But the more I looked into it, the more I thought I needed it. So I gave myself step-by-step things to do. On Monday, I was going to look and find providers that did EMDR therapy and accepted my insurance. That's all. On Tuesday, I was going to call those providers and leave them a message or schedule an appointment. That was it. And then go to the appointment. I wasn't even really sure if EMDR therapy could fix me. I felt pretty fucking broken. (laughs) I have felt pretty fucking broken my whole life. So I went thinking that really the only thing that I needed to fix was this situation. This whole thing around Kirk which started technically in my junior year of high school because he was in a car accident and then the rehab there and the suicide came two and a half years later. So it was a big part of my high school um, and the first year of my, my college, which is a very impressionable time 
in in someone's life. But the more we got into the therapy, the more I realized that there were just things that happened in my childhood that drastically changed the way that I saw myself or I saw the world. And none of them were things that would be bad or anything that you would even label as trauma. And I share this because it helped fix so many things in my life that I wasn't even going there expecting to fix. So just because you haven't had a suicide or a big trauma in your life, it doesn't mean that your brain isn't holding on to things in a way that isn't serving you. I am all for traditional therapy, but if talking about your problems week after week isn't helping you actually get over them and move on in your life, then maybe you should try this. It's not something that you continue on. It's usually a 12-week thing. The more trauma, the more time. I went for eight months, which is not normal. And I will tell you that not every week did we do the EMDR method. There were some weeks where we would just talk about what came up. After our therapy session last week, what surfaced? What came up? And sometimes it was so big that we had to spend some time on it. And it was really cool to see how my brain brought up things that I have never thought about. But once we brought them up, and it's almost like your brain resorts it. Okay, so here's how it works. You can do it several different ways, and it's whatever way that the therapist is trained and qualified in. Personally, I did it with the hand buzzers. You can also do it with light, with rapid touch and the vibrating hand things. So the point of those are to keep your brain stimulated on something else while it works through the thoughts, I think. I'm not a therapist. I'm also not a scientist. Just some crazy lady who has her own podcast. So take that as it is. And if you do want some good clinical and layman's terms Breakdown, just Google what is EMDR therapy from EMDR.com. And that will give you a good baseline. It explains it pretty well, which I went through and read before I did this podcast because I only, it's been years since I've done it now. I only remember my personal experience and how it made me feel. I can't explain the science behind it. So even looking at that little article was helpful for me. Because what it does is, so in the beginning, you will establish a baseline. So we talk about a situation, a trauma, and then she usually like pulls out a feeling from that. I don't, I, I say usually, okay. Um, that's how mine did it. And it sounds like they do focus on like one specific thing. But she pulled out a feeling from the whole situation with Kirk. And then she asked me the first time I ever could recall feeling that feeling in my life. So like we went way back, right? Like it was always like, when's the earliest time you remember that or your earliest memory of that? And I would go way back and she'd be like, okay, think about that for a minute. 
And she would turn on these buzzers. And I, they were just, I just sat on a couch and I had hand buzzers in each hand. And they would alternate vibrating back and forth. Set on a, a time, whatever she set. Like, some t- like um, and the time matters too. If it's too too fast, your your mind will like start to, to race too fast. And you won't be able to grab any thoughts. Um, so it's really, it's really interesting how it works. But so these buzzers are going on and off in my hands, just vibrating back and forth. It's not really distracting, doesn't hurt or anything. And then she'll just sit there in silence for a little while. And your brain thinks about whatever it thinks about. You let it do the wandering, right? And then she'll stop. She'll stop the buzzing. And and then she'll ask, what are you thinking about? And I'll tell her. And sometimes she's just like, okay think about that. Maybe she'd ask me a question. There wasn't a whole lot of like talking and evaluating me, which I also like because my brain does a lot of talking on its own. I do a lot of like self-diagnosis and self-talk up there. So for my brain to like get there on its own was also exactly what I needed. I didn't need someone else telling me that I wasn't broken or that I wasn't damaged or that I was going to get over this or that life would go back to normal someday because it fucking won't. Right? It's never going to be the normal that it was before. And that's okay. I need a new normal. And this was my brain's way of being able to do it. So that's what the sessions looked like. And she would even tell me, you know, if I had people that were triggers in my life, she would tell me not to see them on the days that I had therapy because you're extra emotional. Nothing, you don't, we don't really talk about anything like deep. I don't even like cry in the therapy session, but then that whole day, I would just feel very emotionally, physically, mentally drained. And then they call them EMDR aha moments. Whereas my therapy was on Monday. Okay, so my therapy was in the beginning of the week and I would go weekly. Like sometimes randomly, like on a Wednesday or Thursday, I would just be driving or I'd be doing something and like something would pop into my head and tears would start streaming down my face. But I'd be okay. So you always evaluate the situation on like, 10 being seriously traumatic and really upsetting to you at that time. Like your, your heart is racing, you're feeling it, you're crying, you're, you're, you're 100% in it. 10. One, well, that happened. It sucked, but I'm not really physically reacting to it. And I'm, I'm kind of okay, right? Or I'm really okay is one. And it would be crazy because we'd be in the therapy session on that Monday and I would rate, okay, at the end, how are you thinking, how are you feeling about your best friend smashing into a van and dying? And I'd be like, fucking nine, like, this sucks. I just, I don't, I don't want to, why did we do this? Why are we talking about this? Like, I don't feel like I'm getting any better. And then we would come back next week. And she would repaint the picture even for me. And she would ask me, how do you feel about that? And she would ask me in the beginning of the last session too, like whatever we were working on in that session, right? And it was pretty similar, like the answer is the beginning and the end, maybe a little bit more intense at the end. But then the next week, it wasn't just that it wasn't fresh because I'm an empath. I can 
feel heartache and I can feel pain in an instant. I watch a show and I'm like, oh my gosh, like that's me. I'm the hugest empath ever. So that's something that I know about myself. I'd go back and she'd ask me and I'd be like, two? And it was remarkable. Like, I can't explain it. I I can't. But it would just, it reprogrammed my brain. I think someone even explained it to me this way. It's like your brain categorizes all of your memories in different compartments. But when you have a trauma, it tends to touch all of them. And it has a reaction and a trigger with so many different things. And it's always being lit up and triggered in your brain. And EMDR is more like, well, let's take that memory even though it was tragic and even though it almost broke us. But it rewrites the story in our brain instead of the situation that almost broke us. We now see it as something that we got through. It gives you healing to the things that you thought you'd carry with you forever. I can't, I can't. I mean, really and truly. And if you are thinking about something right now in your life, then go back. Look up your insurance. Look up EMDR. Make an appointment. Now, here is something. I don't know if EMDR can be done virtually. Because you, you definitely can't do the vibration hand buzzers. You might be able to do light and looking back and forth with your eyes. So the whole point is like to keep the brain like focused and stimulated while it rewrites the memory. So a lot of times for, you know, for rape victims, it will be instead of embarrassment and guilt and blame and fear, it replaces those feelings with the same event with I'm strong, I'm a survivor, I got through that. Did it still suck? Fuck yeah! It doesn't take away the fact that something horrible happened in your life or even just something shitty. It just gives you a different perspective that lets you move on. And for someone that has been hanging on to something or has had something hanging over their head for years... It's literally everything, and I don't feel like I even need to say anything else on this podcast. If that is you, you get it, and you're probably already sold. But what I didn't realize when I started this therapy is how much I would freaking need it. So I started in August of 2015. I went in there. Because of Kirk's suicide, which started with a really horrific car accident. And four months into EMDR therapy, I was in a bad car accident. I was only eight months sober. I have winter depression. I have regular depression, anxiety, like all of the things, and... Now, I was in 
so much pain. I couldn't exercise and do a lot of the things that I relied on to, to keep me sane and healthy. And there was also a lot of damage with losing my independence, with it being a car accident. Like I was able to work through all of that in therapy. When any of it came up, I don't think we did actually EMDR therapy for maybe almost a month after the accident. I was just way too sensitive. Everything was way too new, although it was really cool. And I'm just now remembering this. She said, this is something really interesting here, though, because all of these feelings and the memories and how your brain is storing this particular situation is all still fresh and new and we can reprogram it right now so that it doesn't hinder you years down the road. And maybe that was it. Maybe that's why I kept fighting. Maybe that's why I just, the I just paused kind of for three months, but I didn't pause because I kept doing the mental work. When I couldn't show up and do the physical work, I was still doing the mental work. And at that time, I needed it more than anything. Because your brain is absolutely the thing that is going to talk you out of the game. We know that. Your body can handle so much more than you give it credit for, but your brain is what will break. I was also in therapy. I was still in therapy when I went on my first cruise and I had that breakdown 11 months sober. And when I went back to therapy the next week, she apologized, even though she didn't need to, she apologized that we didn't do more work in preparation about my sobriety because I seemed so good with it. Because I was doing so much work. I don't regret a single session I, you know, when people ask me how I took all of those things that almost broke me and how I use them to help others, I really think that the EMDR played a big role in that. That it changed the way I looked at all of it. I didn't see it as all of the things that almost broke me. I didn't see it as all of the things that I hated about myself. I now saw them as things that I got through. Things that made me stronger. Things that gave me experiences to share with others. I don't know if that was coaching or if that was EMDR or both. But I'm so fucking grateful for it. Because there is no better gift than to be able to take everything that you used to hate about yourself and be able to love it and be able to truly love it. So I don't think EMDR therapy is only for people who have been through trauma. I think it's for anyone who needs to get the hell out of their own way and rewrite whatever story they've been telling themselves for far too fucking long. So maybe you had a not so great childhood and you believe things that are just not true about yourself. EMDR. Put it on your vision board for 2021. Look into it. Ask other people who have done it 
I didn't get a single bad recommendation when I was looking. Not a single person regretted doing it. So, I will share the article from emdr.com. Just a brief explanation with some science behind it. Since I am just speaking from personal experience. But, you know, things came up from my childhood. Like, getting dressed in the large changing room in the Gabriel Brothers. So we didn't have a lot of money when I was growing up. So we always went school shopping one day a year, all together, always at Gabe's, large dressing room, three girls. It was a nightmare. Anyways, I was built different than my sisters. And I'm just, I'm blessed or cursed in the chest, whatever you want to say. I'm very large chested. And my sisters, especially as teenagers, were not. So they were A's. And I left seventh grade a padded double A. And I came back eighth grade a C. Which obviously brought some attention to me from the boys. And I remember... I don't think she actually said anything, but actions can, and it's how my brain interpreted it. But I believed from a very young age that I needed to hide my chest so boys wouldn't think bad things about me, which got, which put me into the mindset that I am responsible for what teenage boys think? Like, come on. And I didn't I didn't realize any of this then. And I, of course, I wouldn't have, you know, thought about it like that then. But now thinking about it as an adult, I've spent my whole life hating my chest. I went two decades, two full decades wearing two bras every single day. I would wear an underwire bra and then I would wear a sports bra. So I would never have cleavage and to try to hide them and make them as small as possible. Shirts with cleavage, I'm, I'm not a fan. They make me uncomfortable. I have always been uncomfortable with my chest. And I think it stems from those dressing rooms, getting dressed and changing and trying on bathing suits with my sister. My sisters would try on bikinis and my mom would help them find ones that help them look like they had a more feminine figure, which is, there's nothing wrong with that. But then I would try to try on a bikini and the reaction was totally different. And, well, no, why don't you just wear a one piece? That wasn't my burden to carry. But I carried it for a really long time. And so sometimes even things that are innocent and meant well, because I am a mom of two daughters. And so now when I'm in the dressing room with my girls, I will think about how my simple actions could impact their lives for decades. This is how we end the trend. This is how we break the cycle. 
everyone is just doing the best they can, but that doesn't mean that their best has not scarred us. And we need to heal the scars so that we don't scar the ones we love on accident as well. That's what we're doing. That's what needs done. I'm sorry if someone was not kind to you. I'm sorry if something bad or truly awful or tragic has happened to you. But it happened to you. You don't deserve it. You don't deserve to carry it. It does not deserve... I don't... And and let me be clear. Like, let's say you lost a loved one in 2020. This doesn't magically make that pain go away. But it could help. I feel like a lot of people are going to have some PTSD after this. And I think a lot of people aren't going to get it diagnosed or get it under control thinking that PTSD is something that only war veterans and rape victims and abuse survivors have. And while they do, that's not the only version of PTSD. If this year, this year could affect our children and us to come in ways that we're not prepared for, in ways that we don't expect. But I know that these tools and the tools that have gotten me here are what I will refer back to, are what I will continue to suggest and recommend for others. If you have any questions about my personal experience with EMDR therapy, EMDR therapy in general, please send me a message. Please leave us a, leave us, um, it's me, just leave me a comment um, and make sure to subscribe for the next few episodes that are going to be coming out. You won't want to miss them. I'm going to be sharing about Oh, all about what it takes to lose 100 pounds. And then we're also going to be talking about goal setting. And we have an interview coming up soon with a an eating disorder survivor. So, and Warrior. She has a book all about creating awareness and helping those who struggle. So, lots of great things coming. Thank you for listening. Thank you for taking half an hour for you because that's who you showed up here for you were listening to my words but you were showing up for yourself and now I need you to do something if you feel like there is a part of you that is just too broken that you cannot heal therapy traditional talk therapy EMDR if you can't do EMDR therapy right now you can do virtual therapy And then let's see what happens. Put it on the vision board. 2021. All right, that's it. I'm done. I'm not going to say anything else. I will leave that article in the show notes. I hope you guys have a wonderful upcoming new year launching into 2021. And that's it. Have a great day. Thanks.